Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here and you're not alone. But if I can, say I'd get more than thoughts and prayers. Said the burden's more than yours to bear. But he goes on my side, am I as good as I say if I try? Hi, hello, welcome to episode two of Empathos Podcast. I am bringing you my second ever episode. I hope everyone's having a nice day. I hope um, everyone's just having a chilled out time so far. Um, And I'm bringing you this second episode, which is based around my most recent blog post called Stop Killing the Mandem. It was written kind of in response, I guess, to the murder of dear John Reed. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But I wanted to start off by saying that, a bit of a trigger warning, I will be talking about like death and trauma and like those kind of things um, in this episode. So if that's triggering to you in any way, please stop listening or if you want to continue listening, listen with caution. Um, But I wanted to kind of firstly go into um, a bit of an update on Dear John Reed because I've kind of been avoiding the news recently (laughs) you know we're in a pandemic right now it's not the most obviously it's important to stay updated but it's very 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 depressive depressing sorry so I have been avoiding the news but I wanted to give a bit of an update on him um, and his murder and his the trial so I think as I talked about in um, my blog post um, I said that the perpetrators like the murderers were not um, named but now they have been I'm not going to name them you can look into this yourself but um, I just wanted to correct my mistake so I did um, say that there were six men involved four of which were 30 odd year old men but actually I think it's just two men in the 30s at least two of those men have been named one is 38 and one is 35 and the remaining are 14 two 14 year old boys and one 16 year old boy Um, who all appeared in front of Birmingham Magistrates Court on Monday and I just wanted to give a bit of an update on that because obviously it's important to stay updated with the kind of legal process behind it is so important especially for um, dear John and his legacy and his to get justice for him that these all these men involved are fully fully charged of murder because that's what they did so I just wanted to keep you updated because it's really important and fighting for justice and fighting for anti-racism doesn't stop with just promoting not promoting but doesn't stop with just raising awareness of this incident it's about continuing research and education about what's going on so that being said I will move swiftly on to talk about um what this whole piece is about so if you haven't already noticed the intro music to this piece is a song called thoughts and prayers hence the title of this piece being more than thoughts and prayers and i kind of um wanted to echo what sam henshaw 
writes about in Thoughts and Prayers, which is a he well Sam Henshaw is an um, an R&B artist, R&B artist from South London. He's got really good EPs out. Give him a listen. Um, his song called Church, I think, was where I discovered him. Um, and he writes a lot about very meaningful things, but in a really good way. Um, so I wanted to kind of just read some of his lyrics because they definitely resonated with me and they kind of give an intro to what I want to talk about today. So I will go straight from um, his verse. So it goes, hello partner, <laughs> the world's got problems, but you won't work hard enough to solve them because you hate Christians and you hate Muslims and you might kill over race and colour. If that happened to someone that I knew, then I probably would have laughed at his race jokes when I shouldn't have. Yes, there's blood on my hands after all. And then his course goes into, um, I say, bow my head, say my prayers. I'm the good one, ain't I? I wash my hands of all my sins. I'm the good guy, ain't I? Because if everyone were like me, could they be the change I'd like to see? So without just the the melody and all that stuff just the lyrics itself itself speak volumes about um the kind of reactions people have to a lot of um incidences of racism where you think well i'm the good person and i definitely have experienced that kind of feeling of well i'm a good person why can't the world just change and you know he says um the world's got problems but you won't work hard enough to solve them And that kind of just stuck with me because I don't know why, but I'm a very, as you can tell from the whole prospect of this podcast and my blog, and the title of everything is Empathos, so I'm quite an empathetic empathetic person, I think. Obviously, I don't want to be too vain, but I think I'm quite empathetic and I feel a lot. My emotions are definitely heightened um, and I think naturally I... I just want to make things better in the world as cliche as that sounds you know you always want to change the world and I was definitely told from a young age that you know um if I want to I can change the world as as cringe as it sounds you know inspiration from my parents and all that but definitely I think I was taught especially by my mum that I can change the world if I want to so the fact that the world isn't changing after every single death and after every single say my name and after every single um protest and appeal for justice and all of that after every single individual the world isn't changing and it really aggravates me because I feel like especially being kind of a part I guess of the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-racism I want stuff to change and it's not and that's why I wrote my most recent piece because um, the reaction that the death of dear John Reed got for me was one of sudden realisation that there isn't much change going on despite the fact that we have been trying so hard so I kind of wanted to talk about that Um, we'll just start with that we'll we'll start rolling with what we're going with so um a lot of the media reaction was one of they kind of put black people in a box and black people and people of any minority group whether that's from your race whether that's from your um sexuality or gender whether you're part of the lgbtq plus community whether you're in any sort of minority the the, the disabled community anything 
you're kind of put in a box by the media whether that's um you're part of us or you're not so the way the media kind of presents black people specifically is a kind of us versus them dynamic and i've spoken about this a little bit before but it's kind of evident that the us is white people and um the white majority especially in the uk and the them is black people people of color um specifically and it's kind of the way they the media i talk when i say they i'm talking about the media the way they set it out is like we the the white majority fear the other the outsider the outliner the the person who's on the peripheries of society and that is the black the black people especially black men um and i've talked about this a little bit in my blog post but black men are kind of constructed and and um, presented as people who we should fear and whether that's because of this kind of link to criminality and danger and and violence and gang stuff i don't know what you call it gang involvement and whatnot the way that's kind of um, portrayed in the media is you're supposed to fear black people and black men and that's why i think anyway my theory is when black people and black men are killed like this 14 year old child you in instinctively in a way because of the media's the way the media's kind of brainwashed you you think oh you know another one bites the dust kind of thing that's just someone we don't care about which is awful and i hate the fact that i'm even saying this but the way the media kind of conditions us to think and the way we absorb whether we do absorb this information and from what sources we get our information the way we absorb that information is you're not supposed to feel so like feel angry or emotional about the death of black men because they are violent and dangerous and you know you don't want them in society and that's awful and at the end of the day that's what racist people believe that's what their racist you know ideologies are grounded on fear that's my theory anyway so i think the way the media portrayed the death of dear john reed as obviously awful because he's a child but on top of that he's a black child so a lot of these right-wing white nationalist people who absorb a lot of um right-wing propaganda in the media whether that's through um different kind of tabloids or whether that's through like online or whatnot the way they reacted to this was they didn't really care and i think the media itself is biased and especially right-wing media is very biased towards white nationalism and they don't really care about black people so there wasn't a lot of outrage about this death which really really surprised me because after the whole george floyd um protest in the summer obviously there was a lot of outrage and for me every single person who's killed at the hands of every single black person of color who's killed at the hands of racism they should deserve they deserve the outrage they deserve justice and he didn't get what i expected so i kind of want to talk about that a little bit as well so um my kind of my kind of reaction was my i kind of linked mentally dear john reed's death to like that of mark duggan so um i kind of want to talk about my my kind of memory of the way the media has portrayed black men 
since my existence. So my first memory of any death of a black man was Mark Duggan in 2011, who was shot dead by police in North London um, after he was pulled over by police in a hard stop, which is an, an aggressive approach used when apprehending potentially dangerous suspects. And Duggan was shot twice and died at the scene. And this kind of only worsened the relationship between the police and the black community. And as you can imagine, a lot of trust in the law enforcement, um, I think at the time, well, the, the law enforcement involved in Mark Duggan's death was Tottenham, I think. So the trust between Tottenham law enforcement and the, and the black community was shattered. And as kind of justified, because when you start killing one of your own, you're going to want to fight back. And that's what happened. And we entered the beginning of the London riots. I kind of let the London riots pass by and pass over me, although they took place on my doorstep and I saw a lot of the aftermath, the smashed windows, the barricaded doors, the looting. I remember a carpet store near my old house was looted and the windows remained smashed and boarded up with cardboard for months after the riots ceased. Um, I remember also a pub near my, kind of near my house, um, was, um, broken into and stuff like that and I just remember the the I remember the aftermath more than I remember the actual events and I remember hearing in the news about the carnage the thugs I say in air quotes encouraging the rioting the dangerous black youths I say again in air quotes I remember the headlines anarchy in the UK the sun said which is a right-wing um, newspaper that basically slanders any leftist ideology I remember um, the headline um, Thug Rule, another headline by The Mirror, another right-wing tabloid. But what I don't remember, mostly because I was too young to be involved in race relation discourse when I was nine, I think I was nine or ten, but what I don't remember in the media was um, any discourse about how the country continuously presents black people, especially black men, as criminals and dangerous um, in the media. And I think the media itself needs an internal investigation of how it itself encourages racist stereotypes and I talked about this a bit in my re most recent blog post but um, and I've talked about this already in the first part of this podcast episode but we are kind of conditioned to think that black people are in a category and they are they are um, villainized and they're criminal and you guys probably remember all the talk about the looting after George Floyd's murder and once again black people were creating anarchy and chaos and carnage and everything was just dramatized and a lot of the people a lot of the media focused on they focused on what black individuals were doing in terms of them being violent and whatnot and honestly that's just not the main focal point I think when you're um, supposed to be reporting unbiasedly about stuff that's happening in the world and you you focus on the kind of details that are just going to anger more racist people and more um privileged people and i just think i remember seeing on twitter so many videos of these um americans who were you know kind of justified by being angry and you know setting things afire and looting and whatnot and obviously I don't promote violence in any way and that's not what I'm saying is right and I don't think violence is the right way to kind of deal with anything but the fact that everything's focused on 
what black people are doing and not about making changes and focusing on what white people are doing and what these murderers are doing what these racists are doing and the way that we are being miseducated and the, the way that the police force and the educational system and the justice system is systemically racist I think you're just kind of through the media just focusing on um the chaos and not focusing on um the fight for justice and peace that's just where we kind of go wrong and I think it's time to stop accepting that and to fight back and by talking about it I think anyway by by, by creating awareness that this is happening and the media is needs an internal investigation about how it is projecting racist views um i think that's where we kind of start and talking of projecting racist views i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the reactions people had to the london riots um and especially um in the media and people who are kind of political spokespersons and david starkey is an example of that he is a historian and i guess a political spokesperson uh, he talks a lot about uk politics but he said some stuff about the london riots which i initially learned about in um a levels when i was doing english language and we looked at some of the media discourse around the london riots but one of the things he said in response was and i quote the problem is that the whites have become black end quote and this there's a lot to unpack with this there's a lot of things i could say about this 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 overarching statement um, and in a few words it's just racist <laughs> point blank period it's racist um, it gives me major slavery vibes like this idea that black people are inherently inferior to white people because of the colour of their skin and white people are superior because of their whiteness and um, it gives me major um, what's the word um, the, the idea that biologically black people are inferior I forget what that's called but it gives me that that vibe um and it just reiterates this, this notion that white people are connoted with like civilization and um, manners and black people are connoted with savagery and un- they're uncivilized and they're violent and aggressive and this idea that black people are tainting and corrupting the purity and piousness of white people um, this this idea the problem is that the whites have become black the idea that because black people are acting out in a violent i quote violent and unorthodox and um unnormative way that that is um parallel to how black people behave this idea that aggression is inherently linked to blackness and this violence is inherently linked to blackness and therefore when white people are acting out in a violent manner they are being black and this idea of being black is something which is or it's a a narrative that's painted tirelessly in the media that acting black is basically acting um against the norm and it's again just this 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 narrative that black people are not part of this rigid um normative group that they're the other the outliner and they're not accepted in western white nationalist society and it's just the way that we paint black people tirelessly in the media i say we because we're all kind of victims to this because we feed into the media and whatnot um and i think trying to just trying to um trying to demolish this narrative is a way to kind of move forward um as i just talked about another thing that david starkey spoke about was the language that black people use i want to talk about this in a separate 
blog, um, either blog piece or podcast piece. Um, but, and I quote, he said, this language, by this language, he means the way black people speak. So he said, quote, this language, which is wholly false, which is just which is this Jamaican patois that has been intruded in English and that is why so many of us have this sense of literally a foreign country end quote so first of all he again a massive massive overstatement that all black people speak in Jamaican patois which if you don't know is a dialect of English um and patois is similar to like a creole um patois is just a synonym uh, it's another word for creole if you've heard of like um, people who talk in Creole, but a Creole is just a type of um, dialect. So, Jamaican Patois is what you hear a lot in the inner city of London um, by those who have immigrated from Jamaica or the Caribbean. Obviously, it's not Jamaican Patois, but it would be, I don't know, Bayesian or Trinidadian or Trinidadian, is that the word? Or, you know, that region of the world. Um, that language, which is um, very influential in English language, and a lot of people use slang that comes directly from Jamaican Patois so I'm not gonna name it because I'm gonna sound so cringe but I don't know um man or um yard or geldem or mandem as I said in my blog piece stop killing the mandem that's a, a Patois word so basically David Starkey believes that English has been infiltrated by this wholly false Jamaican Patois um and again it's linking blackness and an equality that is um linked with black people he links that with this idea of corruption and incorrection and um just things that are bad and negative basically it's another way of scapegoating black people as the other once again i reiterate that again we see black people as marginalized and i think the media portrays this very well and david starkey is an example of that if you want to look into him feel free he's basically very i don't know he has a lot a lot a lot of controversial and racist views so i wouldn't wouldn't go into that too much because he's just yeah but um i thought i'd mention him because he was something someone prominent in um discussions about the london riots which was a response to the death of yet another black man back in 2011 um and obviously there's been tireless people there was um tireless and you know hundreds of names of black people who have been killed um by um but in the uk in the last few years um and we again see another another child being killed which is um dear john reed so condolences and and massive rest in peace to him and i'll end this podcast piece by saying that um i really want to reiterate that everything i say is my opinion um i'm not in any way speaking well i try to speak facts when i do but when it's my opinion i'm not saying this is right or wrong i'm i'm generally stating what i think um and something that i've kind of pondered on is the fact that i don't want this to feel like i'm informing people and trying to influence them at all obviously it's important for views to get shared whether that's views you agree with or not but i just want to reiterate this is all my opinion don't take anything too personally obviously if there's anything that you think i got wrong dm me um 
I don't know who's listening to this but if you're interested so to carry on the discussion that's obviously why I'm making these episodes to kind of broaden the conversation so honestly feel free to DM me with anything you want I will talk for days and yeah that is the end of this episode it's taken a while I hope you appreciate it I put a lot of work into these things but please give this if you're watching this on Instagram give this a like um and if you're listening on Spotify or any other um, streaming service, then definitely um, follow Empathos Podcast on that streaming service. Keep up to date with my blog. I'll be uploading more frequently over the next few months, hopefully with more spare time on my hands. And I will really hope to do a piece talking about this idea of the English language being infiltrated by different um, like dialects and languages and whatnot. If you're interested in that. Um, if you didn't know, I study um, English language, so that's basically my main interest um, in terms of that topic. But I hope you've enjoyed this. I will stop waffling now and I hope you guys like it. And if you do, keep on supporting Empathos. And yeah, I'll see you guys soon.